Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and, of course, special guest host Tony Sharota here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing great today, Scott. I'm feeling special. <laughs> well, hey, we, I am too. we got a, a dear friend back with us, and we're tickled. We, you know, we love our return repeat guests here, <laughs> right, at Supply Chain Now. And this is a good one. Uh, and better yet, it's it, uh, it uh, she joins us as we continue our popular reverse logistics leadership s- series here at Supply Chain Now. So, Tony, as you know, we're going to be featuring a business leader that we've enjoyed learning from on a couple of past episodes, an individual that's doing big things, big, big, big things in the industry, especially in the reverse logistics space. Tony, yeah. are you buckled in and ready for a good show here today? Absolutely. With one of my favorite people as well. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So with that said, uh, let's introduce our featured guests here today. Our special guest has been leading and innovating at HP for more than 36 years. Get ready for some great stories and some wonderful business and leadership advice. Please join me in welcoming Julie Ryan, Senior Manager, North America Returns and Remarketing with HP. Julie, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. Glad to be here and with the two of my dear friends. Well, great to have you back. Now, we can't, um, these remote interviews aren't as fun as the ones we were having in person there in Vegas a couple of years ago, twice now. So, but we'll we'll make that happen again soon. How's that sound? I agree. I like it. And always, Tony, Red 19. If you play those roulette uh, (laughs) games, Red 19. Is that right, Tony? Uh, I don't know if my mother would agree with that. She'd probably say Black 32. So I don't know. Okay, uh, Red 19, Black 32. I love that. Um, But hey, kidding aside, I really enjoy uh, uh, our previous conversations out there at the RLA uh, conference in Vegas. is held every year. So, Julie, great to have you back. Uh, And with that said, though, Tony and Julie, we got a, a a couple of new little tweaks to the Julie Ryan story that I've uncovered for this uh, interview here. And Julie, I want to start with, I didn't, uh, you know, you didn't share this with the last couple of conversations. I understand that you, when you were growing up, you moved more than nine times. You attended three different high schools, lived in seven different states. So just hearing those numbers and taking, you know, thinking about my upbringing I can only imagine how challenging that was, right? So tell us how that experience impacted your ability and your personal outlook on change and how you handle change. Yeah, it, um, well, as a child, um, though it was hard to leave friends, it was always exciting to go to a new city and see new sites. Um, I grew up, most of that relocation was in the Midwest until my senior year in high school actually was down in, um, down to Texas okay. where I have where I've stayed. In my teen years, though, I can, let's just say I wasn't really keen on my parents, <laughs> um, specifically my dad, who continued to get a pro- progress his career and get relocated in his mm. corporate sales job. But it wasn't until I landed in Texas, graduated from university, married my college sweetheart, and landed a job at a dream company, new startup, Compact Computer Corporation that I actually took the time to reflect on 
you know, how all those moves impacted me. And we know, everyone knows change is constant. And I'm by nature an introverted person. And I think by by moving um, so much, I had to learn to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm. Um, And it, it taught me to leverage and apply my skills and my talents to fit in, especially as a kid and a teen, to be active. Um, I wanted to be active in school and in the clubs and the association. It also helped me stay grounded. Mm. Um, And I've applied those principles to my professional career within HP and even in the industry and conferences. And now one of the things I embrace with the lens is a lens of how can I make this better um, when I face change rather than resist it? Mm. That is a, a um, it's beautiful simplicity to your answer there, because as we all know, and Tony, I want to get your response to what Julie just shared. You know, change is constant, as she shared, and it's, it's, it's happening faster and faster. And, our, and, and it's almost like our ability and our appetite to handle change and our ability to digest it has had to had to continue to grow and, and uh, improve as well. Tony, your thoughts to what Julie just shared? Oh, I think that there's an there's an amazing amount of resilience there with with Julie and, and with what she's gone through. And I have to say, um, leadership, whether you're leading 10 or 50 people, comes from having dealt with so many different situations in your life. Mm-hmm. If, if you just walk down the straight and narrow, um, when you run into a bump in the road, you don't know what to do. And Julie clearly has run through the bumps and knocked them over and kicked them out of her way and really proud of, of that approach to it, especially in in the high speed, high change, high tech industry over the last 30 years. It's just mm. phenomenal. Yeah, the change is unbelievable. And and moving nine times, seven times, uh, three different high school, uh, that's just unbelievable. It um, is. Yeah. Hey, and I want to add to that. Uh, so Julie, one quick follow-up question, because I think the other thing when I when I was reading and, and preparing for our interview here today, the other thing that come that stood out in my brain as I was uh, thinking about how much you, you you moved in your upbringing is I bet you had to put or had to develop skill sets that allowed you to meet people, build rapport and yes. do it regularly with, with a lot of new folks in, you know, throughout that part of your journey. Right. And, and, you know, as a kid and I um, not necessarily at that point was a leader because I had to get and meet new friends mm-hmm. and it really did teach me how to adapt, how to be personable and, and get into those friend groups that I wanted to be a part of versus those groups that come say, ah, here's the newbie, let's grab them. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm so glad you shared that, you know, re- relationship building, even in this digital era, as we've learned the last few years is more important than ever before. And, mm-hmm. you know, those, those folks in my mind, at least really stand out and there's ability to kind of create genuine relationships with real rapport and, you know, the relationships are there on the good days and on the bad days, because you got to have both. So thanks so much for uh, sharing your perspective there. And and one, one last question, uh, a lot, one last question of the seven States. What was your favorite, one of your favorite places that you lived? I would go back to Chicago in a heartbeat. Oh man. Mm -hmm. What a great city. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. All right. So, and Tony, I know you love Chicago. Uh, you and I both enjoy uh, good food and good music and Chicago's got plenty of that. And then some, huh? 
It certainly does. I, I like going to events there. I have to share a secret, Scott, and a little bit of what Julie's referencing. I have a tendency to be willing to speak at events that are in cities where I would like <laughs> to go. Um, and this goes way back. I, I got to do this with Phillips and uh, Chicago is certainly uh, a favorite uh, going out looking for the, the best pizza and, of course, Portello's uh, for the, the great dogs and uh, oh, and maybe a Cubs game or two in the middle there. So uh, great <laughs> city. You. Absolutely. Thank you for making me starving as I think about some of the things <laughs> I've eaten in Chicago. OK, uh, so let's 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 keep um, pr- uh, pressing forward with uh, Julie Ryan here. So, Julie, more than 36 years at HP with 26 of those years in reverse logistics. Man, the stories I bet you could tell. And you got to write a book at some point because you got <laughs> plenty of anecdotes and stories you can share here. Maybe some you can't share here. But tell <laughs> us, for starters, tell us about your current role at HP. So currently I have I have North America, which is Canada and U.S., um, returns. It's an end-to-end organization. So when we're... HP is predominantly an indirect company. So, but anyone that's purchasing products from us directly um, has return privileges. So they come back to us. My organization authorizes those returns and the physical operations of receiving it, issuing credit, refurbishing, remanufacturing the product, putting it in a warehouse and selling it as a certified refurbished product. Mm. Tony, um, based on your experience, both with you know leading the RLA and then some of what you did at Phillips, a lot of that, I bet you can, it brings back memories, I bet, Tony. Any, any it, thoughts about Julie's current role there at HP? Uh, absolutely. And, and, and Julie's perspective is, is a lot like mine. Um, you, it, it, the brand is yours and, and you have responsibility for it. Yeah. So it's not just a mentality of liquidate the stuff, get rid of it when it comes back. It's, it's the mentality of take it back, make it right, make it look good, and then own the relationship of going back to the consumer a second time. Mm. Um, that's Julie's a perspective. Her company supports it. It's the right mm-hmm. approach. It's what we did at Phillips. You know, it was easier maybe to give an allowance and say, we don't want it back. Um, but that's not the right answer. And and I appreciate Julie and her. And she fought for this too, because when you deal with some of these major companies, Julie, they want an allowance. They demand it sometimes. And HP and, and your group sticks to its guns, takes mm-hmm. it back. Julie, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. No, it's, it's, our brand is a billion dollar um, logo and it's very, very important that we protect that. Um, You know, there's a lot of investment that goes in at the, when on a new sale, but even more important when it becomes a second, secondary device, Mm -hmm. um, protecting who it's sold to the price margin and, and um, avoiding gray market Mm -hmm. and sustainability. Getting, right. keeping it from the landfill. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because more and more, thankfully, one of the great trends out there is that is uh, buyers and consumers value that more and more. And of course, that's a trend we're all leveraging out in the industry to drive more change faster, right? right. Good change faster. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So 26 years in reverse logistics. Um, you know, and, and you know what? We're breaking cardinal rules around here. As you know, you may know Julie and I know, you know, Tony, uh, Greg and I like to, like to keep it 
um, more than 20 years, right? We never go over because, you know, we age all of ourselves. <laughs> but we, so we broke those rules. But 26 years in reverse logistics alone, that's uh, just by wrapping our head around that. You were a trailblazer. And, you know, before reverse logistics was recognized like it is today. And I know that's an ongoing um, a battle where we're all waging, Tony, to get, you know, to get more and more recognition formally for it. But who or what, Julie, influenced your journey and got you in to reverse logistics almost 30 years ago? It was more of a what. So I was a project manager at the time and uh, working at Compaq and was asked to lead a project to centralize what was uh, receiving, remanufacturing, and sales in three different areas, physical areas in the city of Houston. Mm. So centralize that, bring it into one location. And as I was doing that, I really got intrigued by the business. And once we were implementing it, there was a gap. There was a need for someone in business planning and strategy, set some accountability. And so I defined, I created the role, interviewed for the role, got accepted for the role and have not left the space. That is cool. That's good news, Tony. That's more than good news. That's great thing. I mean, you know, uh, not only is that, I'm going to think out loud for a second. Not only is that seeing the opportunity and putting in the headlock, jumping on with with both feet and running with it, but 26 years of driving change and innovation and improvement. What an incredible track record. Tony, your thoughts on what how Julie talked about what got her into reverse logistics? I, I love it. Uh, Julie goes back to the time where, like we said, there was rarely someone in charge of returns, rarely someone in charge of what we called reverse logistics and uh, the influencing skills needed for that role. Uh, it's one of the great things I admire about Julie is clearly, and the project manager background. I mean, look at me, I came out of sales and, and they said, go fix the returns problem. Julie's like, I see a problem. I'm going to create the role mm. and, and fill it. And it's just, that's a great story. Uh, agreed. Hey, let me ask you, uh, Julie, I, uh, I'm going to ask you this pre-show, but, uh, being a project manager, did you have more of a technical degree path uh, in school in early part of your career? No, I, w- I had a finance background. I have a business degree in finance. So very, um, I have a process mind, you know, very process oriented. So that's what intrigued me going into project management from a sales ops role. Um, but then I quickly said, I got to own this. I got to get in this space. That's even better. Julie, yeah. and I, I love the answer even better because combine your finance background prior to 26 years of doing big things in reverse logistics to what Tony said, he had a sales background, to what we know out in the industry more and more. We've got lots of engineers and data mm-hmm. uh, technologists and you know that are all finding their way into reverse logistics. I think it's that's a beautiful broad spectrum of different folks from all walks of life and and um uh, professions that can find their way to create value in this emerging was too strong in this growing industry of reverse logistics. Tony, your quick response there. I was just thinking, Scott, of saying that, um, you know, we talked many times about talent and, and nobody grows up wanting to be a reverse logistics professional or returns director. Not yet. Exactly. Uh, But here's a clear case of someone who 
26 years ago, uh, decided I do want to be a reverse logistics person and mm. and own it. And and I also know, um, Julie, if your background is finance, you're one of those people smart enough because I, I didn't figure this out. You're one of those people smart enough to see what the impact is to the bottom line mm. and build the value case for that role. Um, the challenge at, at Philips and many companies is, OK, we're losing money here. So. Mm. You know, what are you going to do to stop us from losing money? It's like all you can do is is reduce the loss overall, but you add value. And, and you clearly knew how to build that financial case. I'm proud of that. It's, it's so needed, uh, especially uh, in reverse logistics, returns management and global supply chain. The financial professional, financial leadership yeah. doing is, is so needed. And we're seeing more and more, as you might be seeing it as well, more and more folks that come in the industry are getting you know, minors or dual degrees in the financial side is covered. That's a great thing for, for a lot of different reasons. Okay. So I just mentioned returns management. So some of our new listeners to this series, some of the new folks that may be relatively new to reverse logistics, they may not know that returns management is a, is a, is a big part of the overall reverse logistics universe. So question for you, Julie, this is one of my favorite questions that Tony and I are going to pose to you here today is how has your career impacted your buying and returns behavior as a consumer because we're all consumers. Yeah, I am extremely proud and very loyal to a refurbished product and having firsthand of manufacturing and remanufacturing um, product and, and processes, I strongly believe in the quality of a certified refurbished product. And I've been in many situations, both at work with our IT department and actually in retail stores defending a refurbished product over a new. Um, and I'll look, if I'm going to shop for a device, I'll try and find um, something that's refurbished because I know it's been um, touched and, and manufactured, remanufactured um, independently versus an assembly line. Mm, mm. I Good love point. that, Julie. Yeah. Tony, what would you That's, add? What would you hear Julie say there? And then what would be your addition to it? I, I tend to agree with, with Julie. I wish I could get my wife over to this side of the fence um, <laughs> regarding refurbished. And, and we really have to work on better terminology. I, I'm starting to like the term pre-loved, uh, <laughs> at least in the that. apparel space. That works well. And then, uh, you know, renewed. Um, we just we need better terminology. Um, vintage. Uh, well, vintage doesn't apply in electronics, but we just we need some important good new language to communicate what Julie's saying about the fact that she's right. It's been touched by hand and somebody paid it extra attention that the factory line did not pay. And uh, and that's that's a, a valid reason to, to go in that direction. And I mean, there's more used cars being sold than new. And and certainly it applies there. The the certified pre-owned term, I'm liking that a little bit yeah. for electronics. We'll see if we can get that that down the road a little bit because the auto industry's done well with it. Um, but yeah, there's there's and there's more um Scott, there's more used mobile phones being sold than new. That's right. So uh um, it's, a, it's a change. It is. Uh and I love the pre-loved, the pre-loved <laughs> phraseology. And here's a here's a cool thing that you know is gonna happen too as reverse logistics as a formally recognized uh, sector or functional area continues to grow its roots is just like 
financial pros like Julie and sales pros like Tony and engineering and technical pros, the marketing pros will also come to the industry. And Tony, that's where we're going to be working on some of these phraseology, yeah. uh, some of this phraseology so we can we can tell a better story. Yep. It's coming. It's Agreed. coming. Um, and the other thing I was going to point out to Julie's comments there um, about finding that pre-loved and really uh, uh, working that muscle uh, as a consumer. I think the other thing that I've admired from a lot of these conversations is uh, we all know that consumers are more educated and they've got more data at their fingertips. However, that hasn't stopped a lot of consumers from making, from not doing their homework and making rapid decisions because it's easy to return stuff. And I think one of the things I think about as my, in my own consumer journey, Julie and Tony is I like to do my homework and not do a quick reaction, you know, um, buy, even after a glass of delicious wine in the evenings where it might be uh, easier to do so. I really like, especially for bigger purchases uh, and especially you know, while more things are being used um, and sold in the, in the re economy, like both y'all have pointed out still, there's not quite a great replacement that can help us um, put the industry in a better place as just making sure that you're buying what you need and you're not just carelessly adding to the tidal wave of returns that a lot of good people uh, and companies are finding ways of, of yeah. uh, doing better things with. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, let's go back to HP for a second, Julie. We're kind of, we're, we're touching Julie's story. We're talking consumer. We're talking trends and reverse logistics. I want to get back to HP because HP has been passionate about sustainability and the, uh, and becoming more circular in the circular economy. So what are some of the outcomes Julie, that you're most proud of from a company standpoint? So both, I mentioned, you know, starting at 26 years ago at Compaq and Hewlett Packard, both have long invested in very mature refurbished and recycling worldwide organizations. Uh, the, the organization I lead represents actually over 70% of the worldwide returns. Wow. And I'm really proud of the accomplishments the team achieves. Um, reuse is in hours and our outsourced partners' DNA. Um, but in particular to HP, over the last couple of years, sustainable impact is at the heart of our strategy. Mm. Um, we've made publicly, we've publicly communicated what our goals are, yep. um, taking urgent and decisive actions to achieve net zero carbon emissions across the entire uh, value chain, giving back to forests more than we take, and innovating our product, products and services for more circular economy. So, uh, Tony, when you th when you think about that approach, and especially where Julie started that response, it's in our DNA, right? Yeah. So that yeah. I, I hear that when I hear things like that, I like saying it's in my bones a lot to our team yeah. here yeah, at Supply yeah, Chain yeah. now. But it means it's in the culture. It's that it's in our mindset. It's what we we think about every single day when we jump out of bed and before we wrap up our day at the end. So, Tony, speak to that and some of those. Uh, impressive goals that uh, Julie and, and outcomes, current outcomes that Julie's sharing. So you, you know that uh, it, it's harder these days because business is 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 somewhat like our government. Uh, people don't believe in them as much. They mm. they get too cynical. And mm -hmm. and when you hear this story from HP, you're like, yeah, that's a lot of words. 
but I've seen the videos. <laughs> okay. I've not only heard the stories, I've seen the videos of their people going down to a place like Haiti and finding a way to, to recycle plastic and build a new computer with it. And, it, and it's a commitment to the people, not just um, the process, but to the people. So that's a culture shift. And, and clearly, it's in the entire HP culture. I, I'm not saying 100% of the people blindly follow this, but I think 100% of the people understand that's the company's goal. Mm. You can be cynical all you want, but at the end of the day, let's make sure we're doing our best. And we don't have enough companies like that. And uh, again, really proud of HP because I've seen those videos and that commitment. Uh, one one of her colleagues, one of Julie's colleagues, Patrick Gibbs, showed uh, his adventures going to. I think he was in Haiti, Julie, if I'm correct, at, uh, uh, with that massive project of recycling. And uh, just you know, and and by the way, that's a that's a a, a brick in the wall, a, a brick in the road that we we have to run over because sometimes using recycled parts creates issues that manufacturers run into when they're trying to sell things as new. And we've all been around that circle a few times. Mm. So somehow we need some help to say what HP is doing and recycling old plastic to put it into new products should be okay and not be looked on as something negative. And that that's changing our culture, not just the HP culture, but the rest of the culture. It's okay to do that. And, and that's the drive that uh, you know, Julie said it's a billion dollar uh, company. I think it's a multi-billion dollar uh, commitment to the planet and to the, the the environment. So two quick thoughts there. I told you all Tony's a music fan. Do you hear him say you slipped and say another brick in the wall? So a little shout out to all the <laughs> Pink Floyd fans I slipped out there. there. Yes. Um, and then the other thing I, I want to ask you about, Julie, as a, as a quick follow up, you know, Tony uh, cited uh, the Haiti initiative with your colleague, Patrick. Uh, and from what I understand in, in doing our homework about who you are and how you lead and, and how you get things done, innovation is synonymous, uh, Julie, with your approach. So question, with all the creativity and tr real innovation, not lip service that you see folks talk about, but what, you know, deeds, not words, what you see in actions, just to do um, to do the things that we're describing, it takes just endless creativity and lots of experimentation. And so when you get something right, like Tony's talking about in Haiti, how do y'all celebrate that as an organization? You know, how, how does that play out? Because, you know, that that seems to be a ripple effect and just creates mm -hmm. more like a force multiplier for you to right. apply more and more creativity to other areas of the business. Well, it's not done in a silo. It's not just done within the offices of HP. We're very, we're, we embrace uh, not only our, our partners, our channel partners, mm. because they're key to making sure they've got a sustainable impact, but also the communities. And so when we're talking about Haiti, we're finding those communities that we can benefit and penetrate and impact together mm. as a team. And so then we want to communicate that and share that broadly. One, to share how we and others can have that kind of impact across the whole human rights and digital mm. equity. Mm. Uh, well said, Julie, very mm -hmm. well said. And I love 
uh, it sounds like to me that um, you celebrate these wins as an ecosystem, right? With all right. stakeholders and especially yeah. the the impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's shift gears for a second. Uh, we broached the whole talent piece earlier in the conversation. And I want to pick, Julie, I want to pick your brain a little bit more here based on your perspective. And of course, we'll get Tony's comments as well. But how can we develop more talent in the reverse logistics pipeline, Julie? You know, we um, we talked about this at the RLA um, in February in in our board meeting, and it's it's a reality, but it's an exciting reality mm. that returns and reverse are actually relevant now <laughs> um, because of the emphasis on sustainability and circularity. Right. The companies, especially, I mean, I see it at HP now where we're actually creating, we, we are in the middle of creating two worldwide organizations to focus on this. That hasn't been the case. And that's across the board. And I think that's where how it becomes relevant for, for, you know, just in order to promote and influence sustainability, but people's careers. Mm. Tony, what would you add to that? So the newfound relevance, let's all take a moment and and celebrate that <laughs> as an ecosystem, right? Uh, and, and new and enhancing, continuing, gradually growing relevance, which I think is a great thing for for global business and and uh, a lot more. Tony, how would you, what else would you add to that? What Julie shared about, you know, developing more talent in the pipeline? Well, I think with uh, Julie's background being finance, I think there's a, there's a recognition that these things are financial. There are numbers involved and you just have to learn how to make them uh, come out the right way in a sense of not trying to cheat them, but trying to show the end to end kind of opportunity and costs that are out there. And it takes more than just marketing or salespeople to do that. It really does take somebody with some financial background. Um, I think that many companies need to, if they don't have somebody like Julie advocating for the importance of this role, they need to go out and say, this is important. Let's find the best people we can and put them in it, make them learn it. If they don't know it, make them learn it because it's not like there's a degree for it, right? Generally speaking. So pick somebody and and it's not hard to find passionate people like Julie. Uh, they're, they're out there. Um, but it's a matter of redirecting the passion. So um, it's just, it, it's clear that the talent pool is improving. Um, but I also look at the fact, Scott, that we, you know, you are a voice of the industry and we appreciate that and love mm-hmm. it, that you actually pay attention to not just the supply chain forward, but the reverse, the dark side, as we say. Maybe it's too dark <laughs> for people, um, but the fact that you keep promoting it is, is giving people a hint. Your path isn't just on a forward channel. Take a look at the reverse opportunities that are there that are great. And um, we hope to get more talent. And I know that um, Julie and her role and some of our other board members also do a mentorship, Scott. Uh, they look at people within their company and they try to find somebody with that passion and convert it into a, a position. I, I, I'd like to think that the days of just jumping from role to role in a company can slow down because an opportunity like this has so many other forks you can split off in, but you don't have to jump into a different silo. 
you can stay in yours and you're overlapping everything. That's mm. the key about reverse and circular and sustainability. It overlaps so many areas. And uh, that's exciting to me. And it's exciting to Julie and, uh, and, and not enough other people, but, but Scott, keep spreading the word. Let's get more people to see all those opportunities. We got to, it's critical for the path forward for a lot of the reasons y'all both are, uh, have mentioned, uh, because as Tony, as you like to say, going back a couple of years now, if you, when, when you allow consumers to return stuff, don't be surprised when they do, yeah. we, we got to be smarter and more innovative for the sake of all the gains we're trying to make from a sustainable, um, and, and, and just good for the earth, um, and good for the collective ecosystem in all parts of the world, uh, type of perspective. All right. So I, I really, um, Tony and Julie appreciate both of your uh, thoughts and, and been there and done it thoughts and perspective on, on uh, creating more talent uh, and more diverse talent uh, coming into the reverse logistics space. Both of those things are really important. Um, so let's talk about Julie advice you might have for newcomers in the industry, especially women. So I, if, I'm going to get you to respond to that first, Julie, and then we're going to talk about a really cool um, role that you embraced uh, not a, a few months ago. So Julie, give us advice first. Well, like we've just been talking about, and Tony mentioned, um, the reverse space is so broad. Um, I use me as an example. You know, I, I held, I've held roles in strategy and planning and operations and remarketing and sales and now leadership. Mm. So there is, it, it's not that, oh, it's a manufacturing world. Many roles are in supply chain, but there are some, you know, quote unquote, sexy roles that are typically roles that unfortunately women gravitate to. And I say unfortunate because people, women are very skilled in leaders and, you know, our senior, uh, we have a senior VP who's over worldwide logistics as a female. So one of the things that I, I guess from an advice to a woman is it's such a broad field and it's an opportunity to take your education and your skills and build a lifelong career and do many different things. Like Tony said, and never leave that space. One of my favorite quotes for, um, that I learned that I share uh, from a woman is there's room for everyone at the table. Everyone, regardless of gender and race and background, brings something different at the table. As a female, I make sure I'm not only at the table, but I have a voice and I'm, I'm, I ensure I'm heard. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, I always share with women and, and especially people joining and starting their careers. Mm. It, that is such a critical lesson. And piece of advice that, that listeners have got to embrace wherever you are in your career, right? Because as much as we lean on, everyone leans on mentors and advocates and, you know, nominators and, and you know, folks that bring you into conversations and bring opportunities and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's like what Julie just shared. You've got to, you, oftentimes it's you have got to share that voice and be heard. And that's okay. So it's more than okay. It's got to happen. It's got to happen to maximize and optimize the opportunities you'll get in this journey. So Julie, what a great call out. Um, Tony, uh, get your response to that first. And then I'm going to ask you about a really uh, cool role that Julie filled here recently. 
Well, I just want to point out that um, HP has been on my board since I took over. And it's been three women from HP have been in the role. And I had to probably beg Julie a little bit to do this and stay with us because she is one of, of 12 board members. She's the only woman on the board. And I have to tell you, I hear her voice more than most of the rest of them because it's it's important and it's experienced and and it comes from a different perspective. And that's critical. And and I, I think I, I need to tell the story at this point, Scott, that we came up with this concept of there's not a lot of women in reverse logistics. They generally are the lower level talent. But we said, okay, time for women in reverse logistics luncheon. Mm -hmm. Julie was our first speaker. And uh, and I've made the comment. Um, it was an iceberg in that room because it was February in Las Vegas and they had the loading dock doors open and the room where we were serving a warm lunch that turned cold very quickly uh, <laughs> was where Julie had to speak to only about 50 women at the time. Flash forward to this year. And our speaker was in front of over a hundred women um, in in a three four year time period. So, women are more entering this space or being appointed. Whatever is happening to them, it doesn't matter. But the recognition that there's a lot more of them, and really appreciate that, and appreciate that Julie was the uh, the the cheerleader for that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. mm. It's important that it happens, is what I heard you say, Tony. However, we make it happen. I mean, we, yep. it, it's good that we all learn how that happens, so we can do more of it, rinse and repeat, and and have bigger outcomes. Yep. But um, and I got my my time frame wrong. So Julie, this is a few years ago. So that with that genesis, it led to where that uh, that event has grown to. Um, and you know the reason it was so cold, I bet Tony, is because Julie was gonna gonna bring fire uh, and, and uh, excitement and fireworks to the stage. So we know that what the hotel was getting ready for. But Julie, thank you for being that. Um, yeah, as I shared with with y'all, and y'all probably I'm preaching to the choir. I know, but you know we've been you know. Obviously, I think we're approaching episode 1300 or something like that. So we've had a lot of these different conversations with folks across, you know, the the whole World. career spectrum. Some of them are in their earliest stages. Some of them are, you know, C-level. And some of them have recently retired, all points in between. But a recurring theme, especially with folks um, uh, from a variety of walks of life, is they got to be able to see it. It helps them to see to see someone filling the role they want. And it helps them encourage, you know, to, to take the steps to become the same thing, right? And, and to realize those dreams. And Julie, uh, I appreciate you doing that because that, um, you know, that fulfilling that role and having that platform undoubtedly has contributed to uh, the, the cool growth in the space that Tony was speaking to. So Julie, hey, appreciate you doing that. And and it was as rewarding for you as it was for it was, Tony. It was such an honor. And um, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to share and and not just me sharing, but it was an incredible forum of engagement and and insight from others that were there and 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 yes. used the word confident and just spelled out each letter as is it a, a impacts women and leadership, women in supply chain. Um, and it was really impactful and it, it, it really was intentionally, um, shared and, and really well received. Outstanding. And, and Scott, I just want yes. to add, 
I, I don't get to know what any of these are like because they we do not allow men in the room. Yeah. It's their own private space. They get to share, share the way they want to. And I actually got challenged on that by a couple of guys over see the that. years. I can see that. But it's like, you know what? We get our own space enough. Usually there's <laughs> drinking and smoking involved, but um, this is their space. And uh, the opportunity to, as Julie said, talk back and forth. And I also will say I'm proud of the fact that Julie and Becca and, and Ingrid talked about their paths that they've gone mm-hmm. down more than the industry per se. Mm-hmm. But they talked about their their path forward, their careers, how they got there, much of what we're saying today. So Julie's sharing some of what she shared in that women's luncheon. But it's, it's just an honor to have the opportunity to keep doing that. And just right. seen it grow. We have a bigger room for them next year, Scott. We we can go up to about 150. Well, so and now we, now it. we actually have a committee, a women. And that's right. A women's committee yeah. within wow. RLA. We're going to be blinking and we're going to have really cool halftime performances there at this, uh, <laughs> this women's luncheon. Um, all right. So. As much as I hate uh, to kind of come down a home stretch here, still want to make sure folks know how to connect really with both of y'all. But uh, Julie Ryan, great to have you back. I think this is either your third or fourth appearance, uh, maybe your first remote. I really enjoyed our in-person conversations. We'll have to make that happen again soon. But how can folks connect with you, whether they want to compare notes on the cool things you are doing at HP, um, whether they want to compare leadership notes, they want to talk more about uh, you know your journey into and succeeding in the industry? How can folks connect with you and the HP team? With me, it's it's the best to go through LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm happy to talk to people, share about my journey, my role within HP, um, whether it be curiosity or mentorship. I'm always open to that. Um, for people, for companies who are looking to purchase or sell or get in involved in our reverse logistics, um, our reverse supply chain. The key to managing and working with HP is to be an authorized partner. And it's easy. You get on hp.com, go down to the bottom of the page, HP partner, and then click on apply. Okay. It's just that easy. Good stuff there, uh, Julie. Great to have you. Um, let's, all right. Let's not make it sound too easy here. Um, Julie has an incredibly <laughs> strong network of very qualified, authorized resellers, refurbisher partners. So it may be easy to apply. Oh, but, I got gotcha. well, the standards for those companies are high, and and proud of that. They should be because mm-hmm. they're they're recreating valuable products. So easy to to apply, but Julie set the standards. Well, and that lens is for purchasing our HP refurbished products, being ah. being a partner and seller. Yeah. But as Tony go. says, we we you know we've been a part of RLA for years, members, active members, and as a result have been able to connect and partner with the very strong outsource partners who who really that is their um, core strategy is reverse. Yep. Excellent. And Julie, uh, it's a great segue. So Tony, let's just make sure. Tony Sharota uh, with the Reverse Logistics Association. How can folks connect with you and explore being a part of that ecosystem? Go to the website. It's free to join our community. That one is easy. It's free to join the community. <laughs> Although I've got some spot checkers now. We don't like the Gmail Yahoo people anymore. We need real company people. Um, so I'm on the website. It's rla.org. Reverse Logistics Association, 
Sherrod is a tough name if you see it on your screen and type it into uh, LinkedIn. I'm about the only Sherota out there in, in the <laughs> entire world. So you can find me pretty easily and they can reach me through LinkedIn or through a direct email, Tony at RLA.org. Yes. Now that's easy. I love that. And Tony, I got to share a little tip you gave me four or five years ago. That's also a musical theme is uh, he, uh, as I was trying to pronounce Tony's last name initially, he's like, Scott, you ever heard the song My Sharona? I'm like, sure, absolutely. He goes, uh, My uh, My Sharona, 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 just like that. And uh, yeah, it it made things so much easier, these countless uh, conversations later. But uh, Tony, a pleasure as always, and appreciate what you are doing at the RLA. RLA. Um, All right. So thank you, Tony, for joining us. Thanks so much. Thank you, Julie Ryan, for joining yes, us once again. You. Really enjoyed Great the different aspects of your story that I, I didn't uncover last go round. Yeah, we right. hope to have you back with us soon. Yes. Great to have, great to be here. And yes, enjoyed it. Wonderful. All right, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. So much great actual insights uh, to take away from this episode. Really, if you're interested in getting in reverse or if you're already there or just as you further your career and your leadership development, lots of great takeaway here. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I have, but whatever you do, you know what the challenge is. You got to take something that Julie or Tony shared here and you got to put it in action, right? Deeds, not words. And on that note, on behalf of our entire team here, Scott Luton challenges you to do good, to get forward and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.